us today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. To God be the glory for all that is due. All to all of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the deacons, we celebrate you this morning on this final Sunday of Black History Month. And as I say, you look magnificent today. And I thought it was befitting that I would bring forth a message that would touch on some of the issues that are plaguing our community as a black community. This is a message that I preached back in August 2020. This message then was preached on the heels of the George Floyd murder and the outcry for what's known as social justice. And so I want to look at this term social justice this morning. And what does it really mean? And what are we as believers supposed to be looking for when it comes to social justice? A lot of times this is a sermon that will get you in trouble. It'll get you in trouble because when you begin to tell the truth of God's word, sometimes it's not always readily accepted by the hearers, especially if your, your opinion is slanted to what you want it to be. But it's the truth of God's word that really is going to give us the power to endure during this wicked and perverse generation in which we live. And far too many times we're looking for other people to come in to, and to do when God has already provided for us. We just have to be doers of his word. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you please turn to the Gospel of John. The eighth chapter of the Gospel of John. We're going to read in your hearing the first 11 verses. Say amen when you have it. The Gospel of John, chapter number 8, beginning at verse 1, and it reads, When Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that, should be, excuse me, that such should be stoned. But what saith thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. 
and they which heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the eldest even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thy accusers? Have no man condemned thee? And she said, No. She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. From this passage of scripture, I'd like to title this message, Where Justice Meets Mercy. Where Justice Meets Mercy. As I said, we as a people, as a black people, have had a very hard road to get to where we are in this 2023 year. There was the horrors of 19th century slavery, which dehumanized black Americans or Africans because we weren't Americans at that time. As a matter of fact, we weren't even considered to be a full man. There was an attempt to break the black man. There was an attempt to divide us as a people. And all of the attempts that were put forth at that time has had a profound effect on our race of people. We've become far too dependent upon someone else to do what we need to do ourselves. And that's a result of 19th century slavery. Because the master told us what we had to do, when we had to do it, and how we were to do it. We were totally dependent upon them to even when the emancipation came and they were told that they were free, many of them did not even want to leave the plantation because they had become conditioned to depend on the master rather than depending on the master. And so we, we find ourselves in a time in life where we have these crutches that we're still holding on to. We're still looking for other people to do what we need to do for ourselves. We spend far too much time competing and judging one another, judging ourselves by the standards of what other people have. And most of this is a result of 19th century slavery, but all of it is not. Because we have been freed as a people far too long than to be so divided as we are. God has freed us. He's freed us physically from the oppressor. But God is continuously trying to free us from the sins of this world. As I begin to look at where we are now, 
and this cry for social justice. Because social justice means more than what we perhaps think it means. Social justice really is about the redistribution of wealth. The fact that we, 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 we've helped build this nation, and we did. There are a lot of things that, that, that black people are responsible for that we don't even get credit for. Did you not know that the White House was built by black slaves? There's a lot of inventions that black people don't get credit for simply because they were black. It's difficult for us not to sit and throw us a pity party. But understand that is one of the biggest crutches that we have. It's we spend far too much time feeling sorry for ourselves and blaming others. Don't get it rough a little bit. We have not come to the mandate of raising our, our, our families. Men have left their families and have not lived up to the mandate of what a father should look like. Black men, we need to do better. Amen, amen. You can clap there because your turn is coming next. Black women, you need to let him be a black man and lead his family. The reason why most black men walk away is because you black women won't shut up and, and, and give him the authority that he needs. Let him do what God has designed him to do, and that is to build up strong black men. Far too many times you have stopped the men from doing what God has told him to do. Far too many times you keep intervening and you keep protecting these boys like they're your man and not letting the man raise him into being a tough, strong man that he needs to be. And then here's the problem is that, is that, is that you, you, you start saying, well, there ain't no good men out there. Well, I wonder why. I wonder why there's no good men out there. There's no good men out there because you won't let a man do what a man is supposed to do. Listen here. He does not even need to be the boy's father to do it. He does not need to be the biological father. If there's an uncle, if there's a cousin that is living right, that is doing right, let him help you. And then you wonder why they have become targets of a white police force. We cry. We cry injustices. But understand the reality of this whole thing is, is that we need better men. We need stronger men. We need men that are going to show up and be a blessing to not just their own children, but other children as well. 
Because the whole ideology behind it takes a village to raise a child is when you have good folk that are in the community that are telling your child what's right, stop getting after them and tell them to leave your child alone. If we will not police our own neighborhoods, white America will. Did you, did you get that? If we will not control our own children and make sure our own children are doing what they need to do, God will deal with us. And he will use someone else to do it. He will use someone else to bring judgment. But the ball is in our court. Jesus in this text has a dilemma set before him. He finds some, we find a woman who by all accounts is guilty. By all accounts, she needs mercy. But justice is crying out. Understand, understand that, that justice is dealing rightly with someone. It's, it's being fair. It's having a sense of fairness. And it's rooted in truth and honesty. But understand this, understand this. That social justice will never solve our problem as Americans. Social justice will not solve the, the black problems that we have. The only way that we're going to get this is that we get true justice from a true king. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we are to look to Jesus in every circumstance, every situation. We are to look to Jesus. Understand, we, we, we still have some issues. Racism is at an all-time high in America. There's no doubt about that. And understand that there's absolutely nothing that you can do to control white America. There's nothing that we can do. Because white America is going to do what they're going to do. But we as Americans, as Christians, need to understand that the real justice is going to come from God. And you can rest assured that so as a man sow, so shall he also reap. The problem with us is that we can't wait on God to do what he's going to do. Yes. Most, most times we want to try and help God out. Yes. And understand that, the, that you cannot help God out in every circumstance. Every, as a matter of fact, you can't ever help God out. Because God is going to do what God is going to do. Yes. Our job is to wait patiently on him. Amen. Our job is to sit patiently and pray. pray. Yes. Be prayerful. Because God is going to fix all of this. Trust me. God is going to fix every injustice that is going on in this earth. God is not mocked. If you sow it, you're going to reap it. And there is a powerful, powerful judgment that's going to fall on the United States of America. Unless we get it together. But we have to get it together. I'm, 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 here, I'm, here, I'm here to help our communities. That's my whole objective, 
is to help our communities, to help us as a people. We can't give in to everything that we hear. We must get into God's word. We got to hear the word of God. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's the word of God that gives us our measuring stick when it comes to how we are to act between one another in this world. Because really, that's what justice is really about. Justice is about how we treat one another. We've been commanded to be just in our dealings. Because God is a just God. Justice is dealing with how God deals with us in our sinfulness. The scripture says, for the wages of sin is death. That's justice. That's what we deserve. The wages of sin, that's everybody. I don't care whether you're white, black, green, purple. The wages of sin is death. And thank the Lord that it does not stop there because there's a conjunction there. But it said, but the gift of God is eternal life to, to Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you're expecting justice here on earth, then you'll be expecting it for a long time. Man is incapable of dispensing true justice. Because justice and mercies are two sides of the same coin. And God is the only one that can stand at the avenue of justice and mercy. Man's justice is flawed by his opinion, by his prejudices. It's flawed by his sinful nature. We will never get justice as a people as long as we're down here on this earth. Because sin won't allow it. The hatefulness of other people won't allow it. Fear will not allow it. And they keep setting traps for black people. And we see the traps and we still fall into them. This is what I'm trying to get you to understand. As being believers, as being Christians, we need to be able to see the traps. And that's what we have in this text. Because what we have is we have Jesus as being a teacher. And everything that we need and learn is come, come from the teacher, which is Jesus Christ himself. But in this text, we also see the traitors setting traps. Because the text says that as Jesus is in the temple and he's teaching the people, he's giving the people what they need, these traitors show up. These fake, phony preachers of, uh, of religion back at that time, the scribes and the Pharisees, show up on the scene. And they don't just show up just to learn from Jesus, but they show up with a trap. They bring before Jesus a woman who has been caught in the act of adultery. Understand that it's not just the act of adultery that she's caught in. It says the very act of adultery. The Greek terms give the implication that they caught her actually in the act. They didn't just see her coming out of the hotel room. That means to tell me they was like. They were snooping 
They were looking for an occasion. Come on, before we go too far from this, some of us snoop a little bit too much. Understand, understand that if you, mama, you say, if you look for something, you'll find it. And, 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 the, and the problem of it is, is that, is that, is that, that, that there's nothing wrong with helping people get out of their sinful condition. But when your motive is wrong, when your whole ideology behind the whole thing is wrong, then it constitutes sin. They catch this woman in the very act of adultery. Well, if they catch her in the very act of adultery, that means she ain't by herself. If you caught her in the act, where's the other party? But you notice that they don't bring him with them. Now listen, this is even by in violation of the Levitical law. Because the Levitical law says that both parties, both the man and the woman, are to be brought before them and are to be stoned to death. You got the woman. Where's the brother? Once, once, once again, the brother is given a free ride. Far, far, far too long, brothers, you've been given a free ride. What, what, what are you talking about? Because if a man goes out there and he sleeps around with multiple women, he's given a free pass. But let a woman go out there and do the same thing. She's called all kinds of names. Everything but a child of God. Brother, we've been given a free ride. But be careful on the free rides that you take. Because that free ride could end in destruction. And ultimate judgment. But they bring this woman to Jesus. And they don't bring them to Jesus that she might be healed that she might be forgiven. They bring him to Jesus that he might be able to condemn her and that they might have reason to lay hands upon him or to say, see, he's not what he thought you thought he was. They bring him to Jesus. She's caught in adultery. There's no defense attorney here. And the reason why there's no defense attorney here, because she's guilty. This woman represents every last one of us. All of us came to Jesus. Guilty as charged. The Bible declares that all have sinned and fall short of his glory. The Bible tells us that there's not none righteous, no, not one. And your, may, your sin may not be the sin of adultery, but it's still a sin. It's still worthy of death. So this woman is guilty as charged. But Jesus being able to read the hearts of the accusers never said a word. 
They continued to press him and press him about her being charged as an adulteress. This is what the law of Moses says, Jesus. Now, Jesus, you got two options. Either you're going to forgive her and disregard what the law of Moses says, or you're going to condemn her to death and show that you have no uh, compassion or mercy upon her. And thus, invoking the, the wrath of the Roman go government, because they, the, they were the only ones that were able to give the penalty of death. They left him with two choices, two impossible choices. But how many of you know that God is the God of impossibilities? Amen. You, you, you can't put God in a box and expect to, 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 to tr trick him. Look at what Jesus does. He does not say a word. He simply stoops down on the ground. And with his finger, he begins to write in the dirt. Now, I've done some study on this. I've, I've done a whole lot of study on this. Because there's some questions as to what did Jesus really write? You want to know what Jesus really wrote on that ground? I don't know. No one knows what he wrote. But what we do know is that this is the first recording of Jesus writing anything. But if we go back and we look at the laws are first mentioned where there's a hand that wrote on a wall back in Daniel's day. The writing on the wall said that this nation has become divided and you've been come, you come up lacking. Did you get that? It means that when I begin to weigh out your sin, you're lacking. You still need something to balance you out. And here Jesus is writing on the ground. There are some that say that Jesus is writing out their sin. Each one of their sins. But we don't know what he wrote. But we do know that all of us are lacking when we come to Jesus. Listen here, the one thing that I can give these Pharisees credit for is they, they brought her to the right place. They brought her to Jesus. But they came with the wrong motives. And we'll get to that a little bit more on next week. They brought them with the wrong motives. And Jesus continues to write as they continue to press him about this. And Jesus said that you gave me two choices. But this is what I'm going to give to you. He said, he that is without sin let him first cast a stone at her. It takes one to be the first one to cast the stone. And this person needs to be sinless. So before you start throwing stones at folk, before you start judging people and you don't have the right motive or the methods of judging them, hold on. Because he that was without sin, let him cast the first stone. I, I know you got rocks in your hand. 
And, and what this tells me is that they had already came up with their own personal judgment concerning this woman. And a lot of times we have a tendency to do the very same thing. We have our own personal judgment about people even before we brought them to the judge. The issue with it is, is that when God makes his judgment, God sees the whole picture. God sees the heart. God sees the intent. God sees the motive. God sees the reasoning. God sees everything. And because we are finite, we cannot see everything. We make judgments upon them that we should not be making. Because none of us have the right to judge unto condemnation. Oh, absolutely. In the third chapter of, of John's gospel, Jesus said, he said that I came not into the world to condemn the world. That through me that the world might be saved. We are not judged unto con condemnation. That won't happen until you breathe your last breath. And if you breathe your last breath outside of Christ Jesus, you're going to be condemned to hell. But as long as you got breath in your body, keep breathing. As long as you got breath in your body, you got an opportunity. Far too many times. Far, listen, I, 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 I said this, I mean, on, on, on last week when that young man came, you know, there, there's going to be some people that's going to come into this church that are not going to look like you, are not going to drive like you, are not going to dress like you, that are not going to necessarily smell like you either. And it's critical that we don't treat them like the Pharisees and the scribes treated this young lady. It's important, that's, that's critical. Because far too many times we have run people away from the church of God based upon how we judge them. And I don't know, a, a fisherman once told me, you got to catch a fish before you clean it. Our objective is to keep them coming in. Keep them hearing the word of God. That hopes that the word of God might get down inside of them. It's either here or the club. And I would much rather have them right here that they might hear the word of God. We're the church. We're the people that have the words of life. And that was supposed to be the Pharisees and the scribes. They, they, they had the word of God. They were the teachers of the word of God. They were the interpreters of the word of God. But yet they missed this one badly. Amen. Justice cannot come unless we're moving with the right motive and having the right heart. The hearts were bad. But look at what the text says. The text says that one by one, from the eldest to the youngest, they begin to drop their, their stones. One by one, 
they begin to leave. And Jesus is left with nobody but the woman in his midst. And look what Jesus tells him. He said, woman, where are the ones that are accusing you? And she said, there's none, sir. There's nobody here. But understand that God is the only one that can do that. Because what God did here is that he made sure that justice was fulfilled, but he also showed mercy. No, 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 no don't, don't, don't get it twisted. This woman did not get away with this sin. There was still a payment that was needed for this sin. Jesus, what he's doing is when he forgives her, when he releases her, he realized that I'm going to eventually die for this sin. So Jesus, in the same act, not only is he showing mercy, but he's telling them, I'm going to provide justice when it comes, when Calvary comes. And that's what we're all looking at. We're looking at Calvary. Justice is displayed at Calvary. You needed to pay. I needed to pay. You needed to die. I needed to die. But Jesus paid it all on Calvary's cross. This woman was looking to the cross. I'm looking back at the cross. I realized that Jesus died for my own wretched sinfulness. The justice for my sin has been paid already. I don't have to pay it. All of my sin has been poured out on Jesus Christ at Calvary's cross. All of my sins, not some of them, every last one of them. Yes, even those ones that don't nobody else know about, Jesus paid for them. And he did it by shedding his blood for me. No greater love that a man has for his friend than he give his life for him. Jesus loved me enough. Hallelujah. Jesus loved me enough that he gave his life for me, that he shed his blood for me, that he took my place on that cross. I should have been hung on that cross, but Jesus took it for me. He did it for me. He gave his life for me. And I'm glad about it. Over 2,000 years ago, yes, when they marched him up to Calvary's cross, it should have been me. They nailed him in his hands, nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head. He hung his head in the locks of his shoulders. He died for me. And I'm glad about it. But the good news is that he rose on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. That, that, that's my justification. That's God swapping my, his righteousness for my sin. He gave up the ghost and died. He was buried and rose on the third day. He's sitting at the right hand side of the Father. Making intercession for us. Jesus is still praying for us. He's making intercession for us. He's praying for us. Every time the devil comes to accuse us, he said, Lord, but I died for that sin. He's justified by that sin. Justice has been served for that sin. Yes, even your future sin. Jesus said that I died for it. Even the sin that you have not committed yet, Jesus said, I died for that. If you're dealing with the pains of the past, Jesus said, I died for that. Forgetting those things which are past and press towards the mark. Jesus died for all of our sins. But he rose for our justification. We're going to be glorified in him when he comes back for us. I'm looking for that day when he comes back. 
and raptures his church. I'm looking forward to that day. Yes, we, we all must be ready. Amen, amen, amen. We thank and praise God. Please stand to your feet. Is there one? Is there one? God wants to do a tremendous work in your life. Listen, if you're sitting out there and you're teetering on the fact of whether or not you've been saved or not.